welcome to the Dead History Podcast, exploring the history behind urban legends, true crime, and the paranormal. Thanks for joining us. We are your hosts, Matt and Jennifer Jones, and we're here to give the past new life. In this episode, we'll be talking about one of Salt Lake City's most well-known urban legends, Emo's Grave. Lascivious rumors about his grave have persisted for years. His is one of the most visited graves in the Salt Lake City Cemetery. Costs for running a blog, doing research in the podcast can get really pricey. Patreon is a great way to support the content that you enjoy and get special perks in the process. Head on over to patreon.com slash thedeadhistory to see how you can help support the podcast. We have various levels of perks. You can dip in or dip out as you please with no commitment. We're just happy to have your support. Thanks. I want to give a quick shout out to our newest patron, Candice. Candice has subscribed at level two, which is our fabulous floating sheet level. So she will be getting access to the Dead History Facebook group, as well as show notes, discussions, uh, premium content, which includes my research and pictures, and a really cool Dead History sticker. Thanks, Candice. Matt and I are still isolating in our hermitage. And rather than spending our copious homebound time binging on our streaming services, which we have done quite a bit of, and gaining weight, which we've also done quite a bit of. Um, We've kind of been ignoring the podcast. And I want to kind of explain because I don't want people to think that we have given up on the idea. Um, During this time, we... Uh, We're building a new office and recording space in a spare bedroom. Since Matt and I are both now working from home, uh, we we really needed a dedicated spot. And it's great for recording the podcast. On top of that, um, I've also been recently diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And I'm finally starting to feel better. Um, I had to tell you guys, because I just, the irony of it all, I was diagnosed with Graves' disease. And anyone who knows me knows that I spend a lot of time in cemeteries. So to get a diagnosis like that, it just, the humor wasn't lost on me. If this had been a normal year, we would have just gotten back from the Haunted America Conference in Alton, Illinois. We had another epic haunted road trip planned for various historically spooky places. However, because 2020 is a dumpster fire, the conference was postponed until 2021. Troy Taylor coordinated video presentations as a trade-off for not having the conference. To have a look at all the videos folks made, head on over to the Troy Taylor Facebook page. And as a bonus, you get a sneak peek of our new office and recording space. Check it out. Okay, let's talk about emo. Emo. I was emo before emo was cool. I don't think you were. I was. I was a goth kid. I knew about emo back before anybody did. So you hung out at Emo's grave? I totally did. That was like the destination for goth kids growing up in downtown Salt Lake City. And, you know, picture that, folks. The angst. Growing up in the Mormon Mecca. I can just picture you hanging out with your your crazy new wave hairdo. Oh, yeah. No, I I had the best new wave hairdos. So did you, did you ever get kicked out of the cemetery for hanging around? No, because Emo's grave is like right by the wall. So you could slip in and slip out pretty easily. And, you know, it's pretty, pretty visible. You know, you it can, is visible. You can see folks around there. Anyway, enough about me. Okay, so let's get to the, the legend of Emo's grave. 
Um, like other urban legends, there's usually some type of ritual that you need to perform in order to have the spooky whatever it is happen. And um, for Emo's grave, the ritual is that you circle the Moritz mausoleum three times while chanting Emo, 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 and then look into the window of the monument and you'll see the red glowing eyes of Emo staring back at you. We did this a couple times. Did you ever see the eyes? No. Not really, but you know, it was there was a lot of adrenaline when we finally worked ourselves up to doing that. Well, you know, according to the Wilson Folklore Archives at BYU, there are eight different versions of Emos Legends, so perhaps you guys just weren't doing the correct ritual. Oh, not enough candles. Apparently. Yeah, candles. Tough tough to come by by, you know, a broke teenager. So if you go to the Salt Lake City Cemetery and you're looking for Emo's grave, you're not going to find a grave that says Emo on it. Um, The person that's buried or supposedly buried in that monument, his name is actually Jacob Moritz. So for those of you that want to check out Emo's grave, what you're looking for is the Moritz monument. Which it adds to the mystique because it's almost hidden behind that. You know, it's an M, it's Moritz, has nothing to do with emo. Totally. Yeah. So let's go through the eight different versions of uh, emo's legend because they're, some of them are kind of similar, but some of them are just really out there. Lay them on me. All right. So the first one um, just says that the grave belongs to a man named Frank Emole, spelled E-M-O-L-E, and it glows at night. I can say that... um, there is no Frank Emol buried anywhere in the Salt Lake City Cemetery or in Utah for that matter. Um, I also could not find anyone named Frank Emol who lives in Utah, lived in Utah, died in Utah. I don't think Frank Emol is a real name. Busted. Thanks for playing. So we'll cross that one off. Okay. The next one claims that Emo was a seven foot tall Native American. And if you walk around his grave chanting, Rise, Emo, Rise, you will see his eyes appear in the window. I don't know if there's any other fans of Aqua Teen Hunger Force out there, but there's a scene where, you know, rise, chicken, rise, that, that might come into play. I don't think that ever happened. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Busted. Um, let me kind of describe, for those of you that aren't from Utah or have never seen Emo's Grave, um, what it is, is it's a fairly tall uh, granite monument that has a window in the upper part of the monument. Um, Back in the day, the window used to have like an iron grate and you could see an urn behind that grate. So this isn't just like a typical headstone, nor is it a giant mausoleum. No, it's it's about the it's it's over eight feet tall um, and it's extremely ornate and it has a door, a full size door that, you know, uh, somebody could walk through. And a window in it, and in the window was, you know, it looked like a very slim urn or almost a vase. Yeah. All right, so number three um, on our list of legends is that Emo was the first person cremated in the Salt Lake City Cemetery. His urn was decorated with an eye pattern, and at midnight you can see his eyes shining in the moonlight. Not not your own eyes right. on a shiny shiny urn, but... I mean, it's it's very well possible that that emo 
was the first person cremated in Salt Lake City. I haven't been able to verify that one way or the other. Um, it's obvious that whoever was placed in that monument was cremated because there is or was an urn. Um, I remember visiting Emo's grave back before they covered up the window and you could see the urn. It was black. It was made out of stone. I didn't see any type of eye pattern. On no, it. absolutely not. It was, it was smooth. Um, smooth smooth and honestly i don't think it was big enough to really hold the complete ashes of a person it it looked almost decorative really it was pretty big when i saw it it was cracked in half however though well i saw it when it was still whole oh, okay it seemed pretty small all right so what do you think let's do number four okay so number four, if you walk around the grave three times, chanting emo, 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 and you look at the vase, you will see emo's eyes staring back at you. So this is pretty similar to the most frequently shared version. It looks like the only difference is that with number four, emo's eyes aren't red. They're just eyes. He's got brown eyes just like me. Creepy. Okay, number five. This one is where things start getting kind of weird. Um, this one's elaborate. Emo was a miner who was killed by an explosion, but it wasn't just, you know, your typical mining explosion. This one was no accident. It was planned by his wife and a partner who were having an affair. In this legend version, um, you only have to walk around his grave twice and then his ghost will appear. Wow. Because obviously he wants revenge. Yeah. So on me, I wasn't with his wife. That's uh, that's really sordid, you know. It's got drama, it's got betrayal, and then an apparition will appear. And all you have to do is walk around twice. Totally. It's definitely more appealing. Uh, number six, this one's called Emil's Grave. So they've just changed up the name a little bit. Um, if you close your eyes and turn around three times while saying his name, you will see his face looking at you from inside the grave. So obviously these are all in a similar vein of Bloody Mary. If you've got the nerve to close the bathroom door with the lights off and say Bloody Mary three times, you might just see something. Or, you know, you've proven your chops as, as being pretty fearless. I guess you could say that. I did. I just did. Okay. So number seven, this one, the spelling of emo is different again. This time it's spelled with two E's. So it's E-E-M-O. Um, in this version, there's a brick wall around the grave. And the number of times you can walk around the brick wall without falling off indicates the number of years you have left to live. I don't think that would bode well for you, Matt. No, because I tried it when we were taking pictures of it and I fell off a couple times. The funny thing with this is, is as far as I can tell, there was never a brick wall around Emo's grave. Um, there is, however, a small cement curb that kind of outlines his plot. So I'm guessing that's where that comes from. Yeah. And you could walk around that if you weren't, you know, overweight and out of balance. Um, brick probably wouldn't have held up very well in a cemetery anyway. No. Number eight, I have to say, is my all-time favorite version. Um, in this version of the legend, Emo was the leader of a satanic cult in Salt Lake City. No. Yes, because, you know, the Satanists, they just had a stronghold in Salt Lake City. Oh, yes. Um, 
If I had to guess, I would say this legend probably became popular in the 1980s during the Satanic Panic. Because no what else did people have to do other than right. blame, you know, Satanists? Oh, I thought you were going to say, except for, you know, crack out the Ouija board and start I mean, summoning they demons. I mean, totally could. Um, in this version, if you go to the grave and you look through the window and say a chant, you will see a pair of red glowing eyes. It doesn't specify what chant you have to say. It could be something like, your mother sews socks in hell. I don't ziggy know. Ziggy zaggy, ziggy zaggy. I hope it's not that. I, it could, a chant, you know, if those are the rules, you know, break a break a fire, crack a sister, boom, bah, Bugs Bunny, Bugs Bunny, Rob. Oh my God, there Oh my is. God. Are you from the 1950s? Maybe. Wow. So those are the eight different variants of the Emo's Grave uh, legend. And now we will go through and tell you all about Emo, um, who he was, what he did, and what the truth is behind this legend. So this wasn't the truth. I'm sorry. No. Oh, he wasn't a Satanist. I'm disappointed. It's all going to be anti-crescendo after this. So Emo is buried in the Jewish section of the Salt Lake City Cemetery, the B'nai Israel section. Um, you can find him at the Center Street and 4th Avenue. But a quick tip, like Matt kind of talked about a little earlier, was that you can easily see Emo's grave just standing on 4th Street. So... If you want to just take a quick peek without, you know, going through the cemetery or whatever, it's really visible from the street. Center Street and 4th Ave, is that the city streets or is that the, the That's cemetery the streets? cemetery streets. Okay. So the cemetery in Salt Lake has, has its own street names and numbers. So that's, that's the coordinates once you get inside the cemetery. Yep. Okay. He's pretty easy to spot, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially when his red eyes are glowing at you. Of course. It's like a beacon. So, like I said earlier, um, you won't find the name Emo anywhere because his name was actually Jacob Moritz. Jacob was born in Ingenheim, Germany in February of 1849. And he immigrated to the United States at a really young age of 16 in 1865. After spending a couple years in New York City working at the F.M. Schaefer Brewing Company, Jacob moved to St. Louis, where he worked for Anheuser-Busch. He was determined to try his hand at mining um, and eventually made his way to Helena, Montana. It's unknown whether he wasn't successful at mining or just wanted to get back into brewing, but in 1871, he moved to Salt Lake City, where he opened the Little Montana Brewery. So, Dash Dreams. You know, I, I like brewing beer, but what I really want to be is a miner. Oh. Guess it's back to brewing beer. You know, that could be where the version of the legend that his wife was having an affair and he was killed in a mining explosion. That could be the connection there. Yeah, there's some some connection where he went there and then came back. Um, within a few years, Jacob's brewery became immensely successful and he built a much larger state-of-the-art brewery on 10th East and 5th South, renaming it the Salt Lake City Brewing Company. The cool thing about this is part of what was once a really large brewery is still standing and it's now the Anniversary Inn, which if you haven't been there, it features lavishly constructed themed rooms. Yeah, they've got like the Egyptian room where it's... It's like Disneyland. It's shotcrete, you know, smooth shotcrete everywhere. It's they've got like a pirate theme in one and stuff like that. It's uh, you know, Salt Lake City. 
Yeah. Um, the Salt Lake City Brewing Company, before the majority of it was torn down, was an, a really amazing building. It looked like a castle. It was just huge. Over his 39 years in Salt Lake City, Jacob grew his brewery to be one of the largest outside of Milwaukee. His beer was sold throughout Utah, Idaho, Wyoming, Arizona, Colorado, and even parts of California. At the height of his success, he also owned over 36 saloons. So this guy was a magnate. You know, he had one of the biggest outside of Milwaukee, which was, you know, beer central uh, brewing area. He had it in one, two, three, four, five, six states and owned 36 saloons. That's an incredible amount of revenue coming through there. Yeah. And, you know, he trained at Anheuser-Busch, which they were like starting it all almost, you know? Yeah. He trained at the heart of where beer was coming from back then. Right. Yeah. When it was coming to America. I mean, it's right up the street from Lemp as well. But that's another story. In 1889, he married Lahela Luisan from Hawaii. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing her last name. And she joined him in Salt Lake. Uh, they were both extremely active with the local Jewish community. He served as president of Temple B'nai Israel, and she was the leader of the Hebrew Ladies Relief Society. Not only was Jacob a successful brewer and businessman, he was also involved in Utah politics with the Liberal Party. Yeah, I'm- Money and politics, especially they, in Utah. Yeah, they go hand in hand. Right. Um, despite the fact that he made his fortune by the production and sale of alcohol, and also that he was involved in the less popular liberal politics, he was embraced by Utah's Mormon population and from all accounts was extremely popular and well-liked. Which is remarkable in Utah. Because, you know, he was the producer of alcohol. He was also Jewish outside, you know. Right. Relatively speaking, he was Gentile. And, um, yeah, they obviously embraced him because he had connections, money. Well, and as we can tell up to this point, there's nothing that's mentioned about him having bad character or character or business practices or anything that would, you know, lead people to think that there was something wrong with him. In October 1909, Jacob was issued a passport. And shortly after that, he and his wife left the United States to go to Europe. Jacob had been in poor health for a few months prior, and they thought that the rest, along with the local mineral springs, would do his health good. By June of 1910, they had made their way to Germany, and it was there that Jacob Moritz succumbed to the effects of lung and stomach cancer. His wife and siblings were present when he died at the age of 61. So it sounds like they probably knew what was coming by that time. Yeah, and it's, you know, it was nice for him that he was able to basically die in his homeland surrounded by all of his family and not just, you know, his wife. Sure. Oh, he was loaded. Send them all out there. I should point out that at the time of his death, um, Jacob Moritz's estate was valued at $327,000 and some change, which today would be the equivalent of $8.8 million. And she does have the change. That was actually 73 cents. (laughs) So this is the point where Jacob Moritz is dead, and at some point, you know, after his death, the legend begins. And with urban legends, it's impossible to ever track down the origin, but there's some clues that come along that, you know, kind of, you can see how it was created. Yeah, it's the roots of the story. Totally. In this situation, 
um, when Jacob Moritz's death was announced in the Salt Lake City papers, it said that Lahela had her husband cremated with the intention to inter his remains in a mausoleum located in the Jewish section of the Salt Lake City Cemetery. Lahela returned to the United States from Europe on the 23rd of July. Jacob's remains were sent in bond and arrived on the 25th. His remains were interred in the mausoleum sometime after July 31st. According to his will, his widow was instructed to have him cremated, and she was also instructed that his internment be as quiet as possible with no funeral held. And that's why there's no mention of Jacob Moritz after that point. Like the last thing you see or read about him is his ashes arriving in the United States. Well, that just adds to the mystery and to the potential legend. I wonder if he was planning that. I want to be a legend. No funeral. I'm sure he could never have imagined the weirdness that has sprung up around his his monument in the years since his death. Oh, sure. No way. You think he'd think, you know, I bet they'll think I'm a Satanist. No funeral. <laughs> I wanted black stone. No, that's that's as far as we go with the history and the legend kind of combining. Um, when people don't know the truth, they have a tendency to fill in the blanks. And as you can see with the different versions, some of those blanks get filled in in extremely extravagant ways. Um, originally, his blackstone urn sat prominently behind the iron grate window. And you could easily walk up and, you know, look right at it. Um, at some point over the years, vandals broke the urn. It was before I moved to Utah. I think the first time I took pictures of Emo's grave was around 2009, and the broken urn was still clearly visible inside. Um, sometime, though, within the last two years or so, cemetery officials sealed the grate with a sheet of metal so that you'll never see Emo's glowing red eyes again. No, not that we could anyway. The urn is broken. This is why we can't have nice things. People I, have to be idiots. It's true. Um, I should point out that at some point after his ashes were originally put in the, in the urn and before his widow died, his ashes were removed. So his ashes haven't been in that urn for a really, really, really long See, time. And now that's why I wonder if they took the actual urn out and just replaced it with a, a stone base. They could have, but the pictures that I have that I took of the urn, it looked really old and the engraving on the urn, I mean, it had his name and, and it didn't look new. Like a replacement. Yeah, it, so they, it looked old. They just scooped it out. So no one knows where his ashes were taken after that point. Um, they obviously, I guess, didn't want freaky people to to follow them and create a new legend. I don't know if they were, you know, eventually reinterred with his widow in California. She, she moved to California and remarried. I don't know if they're somewhere else in the cemetery. That'd be nice. It's buried, a mystery. Buried with a chock full of nuts, coffee can, and for eternity. I hope not. No, no. I'm sure it was much nicer. So the next time you are in the area, stop by and uh, pay a visit to Emo 
and the amazing history that Jacob Moritz had. And do hit us up because, you know, maybe this nuttiness will have subsided and we can, you know, come within six feet of one another. I won't hold my breath. So welcome back, everybody. We're still here. We're still kicking. We haven't forgotten about you. We're still producing these. Um, we'll, we're going to work really hard to get the next one out sooner uh, than two months. The long wait that we put you through. Um, I know you all were, were biting your nails waiting for the next one, but we'll, we'll get this next one out uh, a lot quicker. Um, and uh, we can do that now because we've got a great space to do it in. And in the meantime, you know, if there's not a new episode out and you need your creepy fix, you can always check out The Dead History. I've got a ton of posts on there. I'm still posting on The Dead History. Um, so there's always something new and, and strange. Sure. And check out Troy Taylor's Facebook page. There's lots of videos there now, including ours. So It's good times. Absolutely. Good times all the times. Stay all right, safe, folks. guys. Yep, stay safe. Take care.